0: Week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.
1: All right, good morning, Memphis. My name is Anna Mullins Ellis. I am here with your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. I am here with my trusty sidekick, colleague, <laughs> co-host, Christy Mullen. Good morning, Christy. I am the
0: comedic relief in Anna's movie that
1: just stars her in <laughs> <and> her only. And <laughs> like, my yes, my side character. My, <laughs> Um we are here today. It is actually like yesterday was my birthday. Oh happy birthday Uh again. I (laughs) I know. I uh I historically, as even a grown adult, take my birthday off of work because it just doesn't feel right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Says you who planned exposure previously on my birthday.
1: (laughs) True. See again, I'm the star of the show. (laughs) So Uh, yeah, so it is, um, again, I talked last week about my, my love of the new year mm-hmm. and it sort of couples with my, um, I try to generate excitement about like, I'm getting, I'm getting to be that age, mm-hmm. um, where birthdays cease to be a like, guess how old I am. And it's like, don't guess how old I am. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I try to approach a new year of life with that, like, um, sense of energy and optimism that. One can have early on in something and yeah. then, you know, ask me again in, like, one month.
0: Well, I think it's, like, the older you get, you get torn between that. You're happy that you get to celebrate another year, right? There's that push-pull. The like, mm-hmm. you're very thankful because not everyone does. But it's also that, like, I'm getting to the point where I get confused about how old I am sometimes.
1: I'm like, am never confused about how old I am. No, I'm, well, see, like... I, I'm unfortunately <laughs> deeply aware. You're deeply aware.
0: So, like, I feel like what I do is... When I'm so I'm 34 now. Yes, I'm 34. But I feel like I called myself 30 when I was 32. I would just be like, oh, I'm 33. Like I would just age myself a year. So 34 feels like, oh, I'm 35. But I have a feeling once 35 hits, I'm gonna be like, no, I'm solely stuck here at 35 until I turn 40. That's that's exactly how it is. (laughs)
1: Um, This is my last year of my 30s. And uh... I always
0: forget
1: that i'm too old or too young i don't know <laughs> I, I, like you're just so
0: youthful in oh, spirit anna <laughs> yeah,
1: um, I, I feel youthful i yeah. truly do but but it does it like, is still when young you're, in that, when you're in that, like oh this is the last year of my of this decade. Yeah. like i do feel a real sense of like you got to do right, something you big you got to get it under the wire you know yeah i feel like 40 is true like especially in the work that we do like young professional quote unquote uh-huh feels like it's often defined by like under 40 Mm -hmm. um but I have not felt like a young professional in quite a while if I'm being perfectly
0: honest (laughs) I feel like you also do a lot of big work for the community I'm not just saying that to like you know but I I feel like I don't want to say that ages you in a negative way like but it ages you in a way of like I feel like with age comes knowledge and I feel like when you do the kind of work we do the knowledge you gain from it is Vast and it comes on fast, and you kind of have to adapt to it. So I
1: think it makes you just mentally feel a little older. What Christy is saying is, if you work in New Memphis, you do age. <laughs> you age. <laughs> just expedited aging happens. Which will, so that brings us to today's episode. Hello. We've got a lovely uh, first guest, um, which I'm going to let Christy introduce in a moment. But then later in the show, we're going to introduce. Uh, two new team members to New Memphis who don't yet know that they're going (laughs) to Age a few years for every 12 months they're at New Memphis. We age
0: in dog years. Exactly, exactly.
1: Um, So, yeah, we we were so excited to grow our team. We had lots of fantastic conversations last year with incredible leaders in the community and were able to bring these two young, dynamic, brilliant women onto this team. I could not be more excited. Uh, We have one more uh, new team member who is starting soon, um, Kaylin Bradford, who you guys will get to meet uh, in a future episode. But today we're going to talk to Raquel Capacacha and uh, Kimberly Rodriguez, both of whom just started uh, a few, just a week ago. Um, And then who else do we have in the studio today, Christy? Today
0: we will also have Pedro Velasquez Jr. He is the executive director of LifeDoc, which honestly I didn't, wasn't super familiar with. I loved um, this conversation. Before researching.
1: Sometimes you live in a city and you do this work long enough, you're like, I know everybody. And then you meet... This guy is just a beam of sunshine. I love him.
0: It's a very delight. So Life.Guys, you're going to learn all about them. They're a clinical practice that is working just to make Memphis healthier. Um, And they have a lot of initiatives that are happening here in our city. And I I hope you get to learn as much about them as we did today because it's very thrilling when, like Anna said, you get to hear new and innovative things that are happening right here in the 901.
1: All right. Well, that's why you tuned in. So let's get to it.
2: Let's go.
0: All right, guys, we are here with Pedro. How are you?
2: Great. Thank you for having me.
0: We're super excited to have you today. So first and foremost, we just want you to introduce yourself to the audience and give us a little bit more information about who you are and what you do.
2: Sure. So my name is Pedro Velasquez. I'm executive director for Life Doc Health. Um, what I do in the day, I, um, sometimes it's planned, sometimes it sort of depends <laughs> on how the day starts and everything changes, but um, mostly we're at a... a network of nonprofit clinics that are geared towards preventive health. And so we do everything around primary care but with a focus on preventing some of the common conditions in Memphis like diabetes, obesity, hypertension, and how we can do that in a family centered model.
1: Fascinating. How did you get into this work? Give us the the so, short story of your background.
2: Uh I sort of always knew I would end up in healthcare because we all—it's it, what surrounded my life. My parents are both physicians. Hmm. Um, my dad's an endocrinologist who started the clinics 16 years ago. My mom is a radiologist who decided to have four kids and not <laughs> practice. Um, but then um, we came to Memphis actually because of St. Jude. I was a patient there when I was a kid, from uh, 1997 to 2001. Okay, and. Um, at the end of that experience, my father decided to stay and open a clinic and um, sort of give back to the community that had helped us when we first got here. Um, He was a professor at UT. Hmm. um, and, And so a lot of his research was centered around diabetes and obesity. And some of the things that he was seeing that was going on in Memphis is very unusual and not necessarily in a good way. The rate of diabetes in the, in the pediatric population is just um, been increasing over the years. And so that sort of instigated the start of the clinics. And then I got more involved uh, 10 years ago, um, other than like summer internships and helping out after school, I got more involved 10 years ago to create a membership for the uninsured population to have access to care. And then from there, just sort of started getting my feet wet in healthcare and Seeing that I liked it and um, growing in any way that I saw I could help, and eventually um, now have the uh, leadership role, I guess, in the organization.
1: Yeah, congratulations. Um, well, obviously, a, a very worthy mission. I'm curious, you know, in such a complicated um, system that you have to work within. Tell us. You you mentioned family-based kind of distribution of care. What does that mean and how does that work within or complement other health care systems that that obviously these families are having to take advantage of as well?
2: So the biggest thing around um, how we try to evolve the model is based on what we learn from the population. So we're very data-driven, even from day one. In 2005, we've tried to keep track of all our data electronically to try to understand what's going on and what's driving um, the health outcomes of our patients or lack thereof. So we we started adapting it and modifying it based on what we learn. And so what we've learned is similar to what a lot of people read, but it's hard to implement. And so um, we started with primary care. As we learned what the population again needed and the prevalence of diabetes, we added diabetes and obesity management and um, lifestyle, um, nutrition education, diet and exercise. And that sort of helped us learn a little bit more on what would modify behavior the most. And that's when you involve the whole family. Mm-hmm. But not only that, it's that when you identify something that's going on in the parent, then the kid's already at a high risk of it. So you want to um, treat the parent and prevent in the kid. Mm. And the other way around is true as well. If, you're see, if you are see a pediatric patient and you already see that they're at a high risk for developing diabetes or may already be pre-diabetic, then most likely the parents are also experiencing some chronic conditions, whether they know about it or not. So we engage the parent from that side. But more importantly, or just as importantly, we engage them in the care of the of the pediatric patient as well. Mm-hmm. So if um, the parent isn't involved, then, I mean, we could talk to the kid all day, but it's not going to mm-hmm. modify anything um, themselves unless the parent support is there as well. And so um, our education classes, our nutrition classes, exercise classes incorporate the whole family. And then if they don't have their own physician or aren't being seen somewhere else for their diabetes, they can all come on the same day and get seen um at the same location
0: interesting do you guys partner with any other local organizations um I feel like schools and things of that nature like would be ample ground to kind of do that kind of work
2: so since the beginning it's always (laughs) been a very ambitious model and Mm -hmm. and you know it's um that means that we won't be able to do it alone so yeah we've always had organ partnerships with organizations like with ut college of nursing university of memphis and the various schools there whether that's health sciences or um nursing or uh most recently we're looking at um mba program and so from that side yes and then uh-huh. also from a uh, community side um we've Done programs with the Mid South Food Bank where Mondays and Wednesdays, once we tell people to eat healthier, we also distribute healthier food to them, mm. and then um, we've most recently partnered with Green Dot Public Schools, mm. and so we have full time nurses at each Green Dot school, that is not there to do the traditional school nursing of addressing acute needs. There they can they do do that, but the main objective is to sort of transform the role of a school nurse into that preventive aspect so screening the students even um, some family members if they want to be screened parents siblings and using the schools to go to where people are instead Mm. of trying to get them into the clinic and once we bring them make them aware of what's going on with them we follow up to make sure they're addressing it and that's just a, a different health delivery system that we have in mind on what's drives outcomes in our clinics and what's the way that we can do it at a community level without necessarily saying we need to see all these patients in our clinic because there are parts of our model that can be replicated in non-traditional ways as well like the school nursing
1: yeah that's fascinating so with this sort of um we come to you mentality tell us what what communities are you working in Um, where did it start and sort of where are you at today
2: so our first location was 16 years ago on the corner of Mount Moriah and Ridgeway in the Apple Tree Center okay and we opened the location there because initially we were targeting um, trying to give access to a population that didn't traditionally have too much access to care which is the Hispanic population so we opened up because that was a key Hispanic neighborhood and um 80-ish percent of our staff is bilingual because we want to mm-hmm. always deliver access to care to people regardless. After that location, we opened up our second one in 2009, which became our multi-specialty site. And as we learn what other services, whether that's behavioral health, optometry, cardiology, pharmacy, we, we've added those services at um, the Poplar and Cresthaven location. And then most recently, last month, we opened a location in Raleigh. Mm -hmm. And this year, we're planning on opening up two more in in two of ten neighborhoods that we've identified that we're open to going to next. Wow. Ambitious. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: as the executive director, I know that you are tasked with you know, the, the strategic growth of the organization and obviously making sure that the organization is fueled financially. So tell us a little bit about the business model and how you guys are able to provide these services, I assume um, at low cost or no cost, depending on the communities you're serving.
2: So one of the things that um, has made the model successful, apart from the clinical outcomes, is that it's been a self-sustainable model. Um, We only started as a nonprofit in 2021. Wow. Okay. Before that, we were a LLC, a PLLC. Mm -hmm. And so we had to make sure that everything we did was self-sustainable. And that's a key part of what we do is ask, what can we do? What do our patients need? Can we sustain it? And is it in line with our mission? And so every model that we build out, we have to figure out who's going to pay for it, how, and do we have a patient population that can support the sustainability of this concept? And that's not going to change. We transitioned to a nonprofit to try to help more, but not to change the self-sustainable component. So there's not a program or service that we do that we're going to make dependent on donations and grants. Um, It'll help scale, Mm -hmm. but it won't be uh, dependent on that to operate. We're not, we, we, we want to hire people knowing that there's a long-term career and that they can be a part of a long-term program. So a lot of it comes from the um state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We see pati- we see all types of patients. We see Medicaid, commercial, Medicare, and we see all walks of life. We have people that have a lot of money, people that don't have any money. We're not exclusionary in any way. You won't we won't turn you away because um you're very well off or because you're not in a good situation so um, we have to uh, look at it from both sides because we want everybody to have access to the same model Mm -hmm. and that's what we do so uh, I mentioned that 10 years ago one of my first key projects was the uh, development of a membership so 15% of our patients are uninsured they don't have insurance for various reasons but um, they can become a member of the clinic and that it will let them get access to everything we do for up to 90% off. So $8 office visits, $1 labs, 2 to $5 prescriptions, $7 ultrasounds. And that was built around, again, data mm. on utilization, not just utilization of what they do, but what should they do. So how frequently do we need to bring people in outside of when they call us because they're sick? And what is it that we can project will... Um, will cost. And then we try to make it more accessible to the community. But then from the health insurance side, 70 percent of our patients are Medicaid. Mm. And that's been an ongoing conversation with insurance companies, with the state to try to see what actually will deliver outcomes. We've had to learn how to speak their language as well. And um, and I'm glad to say that over the years, we've made a lot of progress in how we can sustain and replicate Uh, models that will actually help deliver the outcomes that we would like to see more frequently in the community.
1: Yeah, love love to hear that. A great social enterprise is something that has has legs for the community. So we, we love to see it. Are there, I'm just curious, um, as you guys have built this model and are innovating, as you said, to meet the specific needs of the patient communities in, in the Memphis area, are there national organizations or other models in different markets that you've looked to for inspiration or best practice?
2: So um, my father was Harvard trained. And his experience was in Boston when we were, from when I was one to four, we lived in Boston. He was doing his fellowship at, and my mom was also doing her fellowship at the Mass General um, over there in radiology. And, but his experience there was how do you, managing a 20,000 patient population in a five bed um, office. Mm. And so uh, the model of efficiency and outcomes and how to deliver outcomes, he got from there. Mm-hmm. Then in um, obviously our experience in St. Jude was also very impactful because that was what shaped our, our vision for ourselves, because we're doing, we we do what we do, not just for our patients. We're, we're positioning ourselves as reference model for what do you do in diabetes, obesity and prevention. So once we find out what works, we're very open about publishing it, about um, sharing it, about doing conferences of best practices. We like to see other um, practices and offices and doctors around the US implement some of the things that we've proven can work and can be done in a self-sustainable way. And so that's always been a part of it. And more specifically, like the membership model that I mentioned, when i uh first got involved it was looking at things like the kaiser model um how kaiser first started went with the railroad workers way back when it was at models of care like direct primary care or or concierge medicine but all of that um didn't really fit the need of memphis which was more around chronic um Chronic care, so more continuous care at an accessible price. And so, yeah, we we, um, we learn from others and then try to see what does Memphis need.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, like, why do you guys continue to choose Memphis for this endeavor? Like, why do you stay here?
2: Really, the, com- the thing that instigated it was the commitment to Memphis and the give back mm-hmm. mentality from my father. Mm. And then um, the whole family's gotten involved one way or another. Um, I from the operational standpoint, my younger brother from the research standpoint, my older brother from the pharmacy and other investments. And so it's become like a family passion to sort of see what we can do for Memphis and, and use it again as a reference model for what can other people do mm-hmm. in other areas. I mean, we, we know that West Tennessee in general has different outcome, health outcomes than Middle and East Tennessee but some of the same problems will face different communities so you have to know what parts of the model have to remain consistent and what parts are flexible based on what does the population look like if it's more hispanic or if it's um, more asian or anything Mm -hmm. some parts may need to change especially around the diet and nutrition guidelines Mm. but other things should remain consistent with evidence-based medicine Um, and that's what that's sort of what excites us about Memphis. Actually, we have a partnership with um, Nova Nordisk, which is the top uh, diabetes pharmaceutical company, and um, we have an evidence generation partnership with them where they're using the Memphis population to understand certain chronic conditions and see how treatment needs to evolve with it in the future.
0: Very interesting. Indeed. So it's no secret That the healthcare industry is just a hard industry to be in sometimes in general but these last couple of years even more so harder with the pandemic how have you guys kind of embraced that challenge and are managing through it as a team like what are you guys seeing and doing
2: so the only way that we would have gotten through all of this was with having a good team Um, our director of clinical practice claudia Neira, has been there for 16 years and she um, helped start the model with my father. And um, there is also Gabby Garcia, who started the organiz- who came into the organization five years ago. She was a doctor in Mexico, came to Memphis, is not a doctor in Memphis, but still very involved with care. And those two have led our COVID response. And every day, reading on the latest guidelines that change, as often as you all know, they change. <laughs> but trying to keep our patients and staff, uh, aware of everything and sort of, um, we, we learned to adapt, I guess, is the best way to do it. When, um, testing became available, we started testing at our clinics. When vaccinations became available, we became a vaccination site. We've done vaccines at our location. We've done vaccines at green dot. Um, and then we did some awareness campaigns with the Shelby County health department around some promotional videos with, how do you target and make some awareness into, again, the Hispanic community? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I reference the Hispanic community because they were a population that was in need with not a lot of resources. And they represent about 60% of our patients. The other 40% is non-Hispanic. Um, but um, we try to, again, be as inclusive as possible with the campaigns and stuff that we come yeah. up with.
0: Sure. So in talking about that inclusivity and what you see and do in Memphis, what is your hope for the future of healthcare in Memphis looking forward?
2: Uh, I guess the one word answer would be equitable. Mm -hmm. Equitable is a lot easier said than done because equitable isn't always equal. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of what we've done this year as well was expand our social determinants of health program. So what are things outside of the clinic that are driving health outcomes? um the nih uh, national institute of health published that 60 percent of health outcomes are driven by things that aren't the care they receive in the clinic it's what goes on in their lives afterwards um transportation shelter education income uh food insecurity all those things that are driving the bulk of health outcomes and um Yes, a lot of it is income driven, but a lot of it is system driven. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that diabetes and obesity are just as prevalent in Germantown and East Memphis than they are in um, in Soulsville or Orange Mound or some of the lower income neighborhoods. And I won't maybe I won't say just as prevalent. I'll correct myself there, but very prevalent. Mm-hmm. I mean, diabetes, obesity, hypertension is a city level problem in Memphis. And so um income is one factor, but it's not the only one. And so as we evolve and as again, we learn what drives our outcomes, we want to see how do you redirect focus into not just treating people, not just um, seeing people at the clinic, but you mentioned healthcare funding before. And healthcare funding is a $3 trillion a year industry. But a lot of that money is spent in very inefficient ways. And very late in the game, if you can see a way to produce healthier people earlier, you open up savings that can be reinvested into a community in different ways. Whether yeah. that's with infrastructure needs, um, e- income, education programs, or a lot of food system. Mm-hmm. Food system's one of the key things that you could redirect funding for if you could produce the savings from replicating the outcomes that we've been able to do in our patient population.
0: Right. It's really about trying to find that root cause instead of just like treating the symptoms, treat the root of what is making these things happen. It looks like you guys are a big piece of the cog in that wheel trying to make that a possibility for our city.
2: Yeah. And it's exciting because I mean, there's a lot of traction in the right direction. I mean, we're far from there but there's a lot of traction in the right direction from the stakeholders that need to be a part of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody likes to point the fingers at the different parts of the healthcare system, like it's the hospital's fault, it's the insurance companies, the pharmaceutical companies, it's the doctors. But in the end, I mean, there has to be a solution that'll be mutually beneficial based on patient outcomes. And so um, that's a lot of what we're doing is finding that mutually beneficial relationship for everyone. we we work closely with pharmaceutical, insurance, estate, all the um, different stakeholders to try yeah. to see what that looks like.
1: Awesome. Well, this is this is why I love doing this uh, show because mm-hmm. I I did not know you nor did I I, I think I'd you? heard of livestock but I didn't really understand mm-hmm. the scope and the power of what y'all do. So and what I, I love. You know that this is a family endeavor um looking to serve families so that's really inspiring and we're just so glad that you're here in memphis pager doing this work um before we let you go for those listening who may want to learn more about the work or engage in a clinic how can they find out more about life doc
2: so our website www.lifedochealth.org is got a lot of information I, that's where we've posted Most of our 50-plus publications as well, if they're research-oriented and want to learn a little bit more about our model. Um, It has everything on who we are, what we do, what services we provide, where we're going next. Um, We are implementing a three-year strategy that is very aggressive. So uh, (laughs) as many people as want to be involved and can be involved, um, the better, um, in any capacity. And so um, we have our... Instagram, we have Facebook, we have LinkedIn, but um, you can also call us nine zero one six eight three zero zero two four, or um, yeah, any 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 avenue that you want to take to reach out to us. I mean, we're always happy to talk.
1: Love it. Well, if you're listening today, I hope you will be part of this big vision. I was so lovely to meet you, Pedro. Thanks for coming in today.
2: Thank you for having mm-hmm. me. Appreciate y'all.
1: In Memphis,
0: creativity is all around us. From public art to historic museums, our city has it all. And you're sure to find inspiration around every corner. There's a lot to celebrate about our city. Visit newmemphis.org to turn your love of Memphis into action. All right, guys, we are here with Kim and Raquel. Drum roll, yay! Um, They are our new staff members in the new year We didn't plan that, guys It just came out that way So we are so happy to have them And so since we have two people with two different voices today I would like to hear both of you introduce yourself to the listening audience And give us a little bit more info about who you are
3: Hi everyone, my name is Kimberly Rodriguez I am the new leadership program specialist at New Memphis I'm definitely excited to be here I'm a Memphis native And I'm just looking forward to being able to assist my colleagues, as well as our patrons around Memphis, and helping them network and find new opportunities.
4: Welcome, Kimberly. I don't know if I want to follow that. (laughs) That was really good. Um, I'm Raquel Capacacha. I am the new Director of Partnerships and Advancement, so I'm on the fundraising team here at New Memphis. I'm very excited. I am an Embark alum, so um, I'm very familiar with New Memphis and thrilled to be here.
0: Yeah, so let's just kick right into it. So, you were somebody before you came here. I want to <laughs> hear a little bit more about, you know, what is your background in um, Raquel Kim? I'll let you decide who starts it, but
4: I'll go first. Give us a history lesson. We actually were just talking about this. We have something in common. We <clears> both have um, uh, public relations. Mine was a journalism and public uh-huh. relations degree um, from the University of Memphis. Yeah, go Tigers. Nice. So, um, but I um, I have a sales and marketing background as well as a programming and revenue development background from uh, through education. So okay. um, I'm most recently from St. Mary's Episcopal School, where I'm still a proud turkey mom. My <laughs> daughter goes there. And
0: um, wait, is the mascot a turkey? Yes, yeah, it that's is. just what she calls <laughs> is. Is it daughter. really? <laughs> okay, it was- you haven't met Raquel's daughter, Turkey. No. <laughs> I have not met your daughter Turkey, but no, I did not know their mascot was a turkey. It
4: used to be the Southern Bells, so I think we can all agree the that turkey is a vast improve improvement. There. Yes. Um, As someone so-
0: who went to Delta State University, go fighting Okra! I am here <laughs> for a random mascot. Thank you.
4: <laughs> there is there is a there is a full like turkey, like someone dresses up like the turkey and and um yeah like there's lots of things like our um the spirit wear for the girls is called gobble gear
0: (laughs) i'm here (laughs) for it i love a theme it's
4: very cute actually um so i was at st mary's as the director of auxiliary (laughs) programs for several years and uh, before that i worked um at contemporary media as the advertising sales director and um, at rocket fuel which um as their uh, senior salesperson so that's
3: that's me nice how about you Kim so for me I've been in so many different backgrounds Um, (laughs) I as I told Raquel earlier when we were talking about a little bit about our history my first job ever was Ching's Hot Wings nice um, which is was like the hot spot for University of Memphis and stuff in that area back then Um, I then went on I was a front desk clerk at the Weston Hotel um, down here in downtown Memphis I was able to network and meet a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, in the sports industry Um, I then went on to work for a law firm as a bankruptcy paralegal. So I learned a lot about, you know, just post-petition bankruptcy and how I need to be sure that my financial um, liabilities are taken (laughs) care of. You (laughs) got to see the consequence side of the equation. Yes. Although it is a helpful tool, you know, for some people, um, just a lot of things that they went through. I just know I, you know, I wouldn't want to do that. So I just try to educate myself as much as possible so that role is good in that area. Um, I've also done some event planning and social media marketing um, with Cynthia Daniels and Company. Um, Love Another her. marketing company. <laughs> yes, everyone loves Cynthia. <laughs> so, hopefully, I um, New Memphis will be a part of some of her events this year. Um, also, I did some project management in continuing medical education field. So, um, it was definitely interesting. Interesting industry to be in. Um, got in contact with a lot of different doctors just from all, mm-hmm. all over the world and just learned about a lot of different kinds of diseases. And so now I'm here applying all of those past experiences to my new role.
0: That's what I was about to say. I was like, I think that's always the fun thing with nonprofit because I've only worked in nonprofit. Well, I worked at the Art Museum, worked at the Brooks for a while, um, but they're also a nonprofit. So I have worked in the nonprofit space my entire career. And I feel like that is the coolest thing about it is people that usually end up in nonprofit have this vast array of backgrounds. And it just you bring it all together, and it kind of works seamlessly because we do have to wear so many hats. Yeah, and it's like this gives you the perfect armor, basically, to fight that battle. Yes.
4: Kind of. Yes, I'm ready for that. When I was in the sales space, um, my favorite clients were schools and nonprofits. Um, New Memphis was one of my clients, and <laughs> uh, and so that and so when I decided that I wanted to to I always it sounds so cheesy, but I was like I want to have more of a mission mm-hmm. based uh, approach to to my career. Um, You know, I went to a school and now I'm at a nonprofit and it it was just always they were always the most interesting, fun people to work with, because I think to your point, Christy, they had such a vast array of life experience and work
1: experience. So, yeah, that's that's our pitch. If you (laughs) want to you want to do good work for a nonprofit. Um, Well, I want to learn a little. So true transparency for our listeners. This is week two. So day six (laughs) for uh, both of these uh, lovely ladies. So um, they are still getting to know the ropes of New Memphis. So I'm curious, Raquel, you mentioned that you're an Embark alum. I'm going to come back to that. Um, Kim, I know that you haven't gone through this program, but you had some relationship to New Memphis. So what is it that interested you in coming to work at new memphis and what are you most excited about as you start this year and thinking about your new role
3: so the most exciting thing for me is that it's allowing me to step into an industry that is more aligned with my career goals Um, as being a memphis native and just knowing what you all offer to the community and for people um, that are you know coming into our city moving in um, or here and trying to get them to stay kind of thing um, i'm excited to be a part of that just be a part of that change Um, of course, before coming onto the team, um, I've worked with you all before in the past um, during Memphis Black Restaurant Week, mm-hmm. um, I was able to meet Anna Warman and Nora Murray, and I have just I built that connection with them. I guess I've um, already been a part of the team, you know from back then, just uh, doing that networking and just staying in touch with them, and now I'm here. And so I'm just ready you know, to get started, um, be that team member, for my colleagues, and just execute. That's why you're here. We're excited. So, Raquel, I know you were in one of our first Embark
1: classes, so you were um, a bit of a guinea pig. we would kind of been um, working on the program, perfecting it. So tell us about your Embark experience. I will also call out that we are currently um, building our classes for 2022. So if you hear something that Raquel says that sparks, you're like, hey, I'm a young professional. No pressure. (laughs) All right. So tell us about your Embark experience and how that led you to want to one day work in New Memphis. Yeah,
4: I had the best experience at Embark, and um, it makes me really excited for, in the future, maybe going through fellows. Um, But I was in Embark in 2015, so it was prior to having the educator work be, like, pulled out of Embark. So my cohort was half educators, half people in all kinds of sectors. So, like, there were a couple people from AutoZone and, you know... with the red shirts and everything (laughs) (laughs) they look so cute and um you know law firms and but we did have a good chunk of teachers which um i found as a parent really interesting um to be able to build that relationship but um i still use a lot of the skills that i learned in embark about how to like identify things that i'm doing and how i'm reacting to a situation and then how best to like um, approach someone else, like my disk profile is burned into my memory. Um, and um, and I really, I, I still use those skills today. And it's been, what, seven years since I've gone through the program. And um, I'm still friends with people from my cohort. I've used that to network um, in my career. I've used that to help other people get um, roles. And, you know, I've had friends that have have left Memphis and come back and, you know, gotten them plugged back in. So I really enjoyed my, my Embark experience. Um, anyone listening that has uh, a friend in that point in their career, I would highly recommend it. Um, Kim, I hope you get to go through it. will. Cause it really was just a great experience. And then, um, you know, like I mentioned, new Memphis was my client. I've always just really admired the work that everyone does here and, um, always really enjoyed my like personal experiences with the people that have worked here over the years and I as a parent as someone I have three children so I really do care about the city that we're building and the future that we're building so it was important to me to be part of that in, in a meaningful and impactful way.
0: I love that as a mission driven person as well. It does sometimes sound very cheesy to say, but I think both of you ladies kind of touched on it. Like you want your career to mean something a little bit more at the end of the day. Um, And what better way to do that than dedicating it to the nonprofit sector, guys? I mean, um, but Kim, I know you said you're a native Memphian, right? So I'm very curious. Why do you continue to choose Memphis? Why did you want to stay here, make your life here instead of trying to go somewhere else?
3: Memphis is so unique and different. There literally is no other place than Memphis. Um, I actually have moved away um, just for a small period of time, Mm -hmm. but I just always find myself back here. Um, And, I mean, I just love the people. Um, Memphis has so much soul, and you just, I mean, when you go to, like, other cities, I mean, you find people, they're nice, but it's like, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's home for me. (laughs) But, um, I mean, the people are just different. People are genuine. Um, They love to help. Um, I recently moved downtown, and so, like, I just – people all the time just ask me, where's this or where's that? And when I offer them the help, like, if I could tell that they're lost or something, then they're just so happy that someone stopped and helped them. Um, And you don't see that in a lot of other places. And so, um, just the culture of Memphis, you know, I – there's so much opportunity, you know, I've seen so much growth, especially with all the renovations, the new hotels, the new apartments, um, the new businesses that are coming here. Um, and I'm just excited to just stay here, be a part of that, and just help other people see that same vision that I see.
0: Yeah, I always think it's very interesting to hear Native Memphians' perspectives because I'm a transplant. Okay. Um, so I came here after college, uh, but it, it tends to align very much that the people here are very giving and very much so wanting to help be a problem solver yes. um, to any problem, like whether it's getting lost on the street or trying to make impactful change in our city. That seems to be the common thread to whether you're a native or a transplant, as the people of Memphis just make this city what it is. Right. Um, so I think that's so interesting to hear. Raquel, are you
4: your native? I am not technically, okay. but I, if anybody asks me, I always you say, always say yeah. I've been here long enough that I feel like I've, yeah. I can check that box. I moved here in high school and okay. right before high school started. I think that qualifies. So yeah. And it, it, at my age, I think it qualifies for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm I, in the same boat. I'm like, I'm not from here, but, but i am here. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. I'm not from here, but I'm a Memphian. Yeah.
0: You're a Memphian by choice. That's what we love.
1: Okay. So what is it that tethers you to Memphis? Yeah. Uh, again, both of you guys smart, lots of opportunity in front of you. You had to make a conscious choice that Memphis would be your home. So what was it for you? Yeah,
4: I think um, for me, my, well, my husband's family is from here. And so that sense of being able to raise our children around family was, is, is definitely a big part of it. But I've built relationships, whether they be personal or professional, that I don't know that I could you know, replicate elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen friends move away and really really struggle with that. And to Kim's point, like the people here are just. I think it's so much easier to make a friend in Memphis than it would be in yeah. lots of other places. Um, I think. Um, and this is like a really silly reason, but the food here is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> um, the exactly most serious of reasons. <laughs> I well, we my husband works for Hilton, so we get to travel a little bit. Um, In normal times. And sometimes we'll go to cities and I'm like, okay, but could we eat somewhere that's not a Chili's? Like, and you know, our local food scene is so good and it spans many different ethnicities and cultures and all of that. And that's kind of a big deal for me.
1: Understood. Well, that is a great segue. Um, So, regardless of what seat you sit in on the New Memphis team, because you work at New Memphis, people in the community think of you as. Um, like city experts mm-hmm. so people are always like where should i eat where should i go where should you know it, it and so we always encourage our new employees and i know both of you guys are going to come with um plenty of perspective and opinions so we're going to do a quick lightning round on memphis faves so we're going to ask you um a couple of just suggestions yeah. again we're putting you on the spot <laughs> yeah we have not seen this before they're pretty standard questions yeah. so Based on your last comment, we're going to ask for your favorite food spot.
4: Um, Brother Juniper's for breakfast. Mm.
1: Oh, I like we're going to divide by meals. is smart. Oh, yeah. I can't okay.
4: I cannot <laughs> pick this one. Um, uh, lunch is, we're downtown, so Maciel's. I'm going to go with that, uh, uh, Maciel's. The for amount lunch.
0: of times I have had Maciel's downtown delivered to this office, <laughs> I should honestly buy stock. Like, you just can't, they, guys. I mean, I know this is controversial. It's very everybody has their own opinion, but I personally, this is representation of me, Christie's opinions, not New Memphis's. Maciel's <laughs> has one of the best tacos in the city, so
4: I, I would agree with that. I, I between them and um, Las Tortugas, I think are the two. And luckily, geographically, they're spread out, so that's time, Yes yeah, like you can hit. I which, make yes. the decision, um, and then dinner. I'm gonna go with Hog and Hominy.
1: Love it, back open.
4: Mm-hmm. I know we went like week two. I was on, I was one of the thousands of Memphians on the phone (laughs) calling and, like, breaking, sorry, everyone, breaking their uh, reservation line. They, like, they had to, like, change phone numbers. It was a whole thing.
0: I... Look, I don't even – I have friends that work in the restaurant industry, so I got to go to opening night of Hog and oh, Hominy. That's right. And I fe- – like, I did not belong. I was, like, seeing people that I know who are, like, bloggers and things, and I was like, oh, I know you. And I'm like, I'm just you're here. A, you're
1: a famous <laughs> local podcaster. Yes. Right <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: that's yeah. right. No, but I thought it was really cool, and so Hog is, like, also one of my faves, so – I agree. Yeah. You just we, made some good ones.
4: We, uh, uh, my wedding reception was at Andrew Michael, but we still had Hog and Hominy dessert. We had the gelato. Oh, part,
3: nice. So, yeah. What about you, Kim? Fave Memphis food. So uh, I should do better. I'm not really a big breakfast person. So I'll say breakfast, my kitchen. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. For brunch, You are a Memphian. I love so. <laughs> brunch. So brunch, I would say sage. Love mm-hmm. sage. Uh, sage is amazing. Um, for dinner, I'll go with char. Actually mm. went there last week. Yes. Um, just to throw another one out there, I'll say, um, what's that vegan? There's a vegan restaurant. So I'm, I'm like a, a pescatarian, vegan okay. kind of diet. That's right. So, <laughs> how long have you been living that lifestyle? I went. So I gave up red meat. It was a slow process. I had to test it out, make sure I was going to be able to survive. <laughs> um, I gave up red meat about five years ago. And then almost three years now, I gave up chicken and turkey. So. We'll be good lunch buddies. I don't eat red meat and okay. really prefer to eat plant-based. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. That's good to know. <laughs> so I guess you can say 100% three years. Nice. nice. Um, Lots of
1: options in Memphis now. So that's yeah. What I feel like yeah. So that's good. Not limiting at all.
3: And I'm sure working
0: with Cynthia and getting to do like... The she has, Yes. Yes. She well, did that because awesome. of us,
3: because we, were, we awesome. would be at events working and we'd get hungry and we couldn't eat anything. Yeah, So, so she was like, you know, I'm going to figure out how to, you know, incorporate you guys. And so she nice. created the Vegan Festival.
1: Mm-hmm. God,
3: so so many
0: opportunities in Memphis. Okay. All right.
3: Round two.
1: You want to hit it? Favorite Memphis activity. Ooh. I can dwell on it. It can, it can be a standard. Yeah, it can, it can be, be available anywhere, be but or. here, what's your fave?
4: I I think now I think my favorite one is doing uh, a brewery tour like bouncing mm-hmm. between all mm-hmm. of the breweries I think that for me that feels very uniquely Memphis mm-hmm. and because um, so I was like oh I I want to go to go Ape or something but you know they have those everywhere so um, and you know our beer is better because of the aquifer and so <laughs> I think that's my that's gonna be my answer it's a good
0: one I think people forget especially people that aren't from here they don't realize just how many breweries we have mm-hmm. popping up yeah. truly what feels like all of the time now <laughs> i
1: know i feel like it was it feels like just yesterday when we were like we have two breweries yeah. now or we want to yeah. open and i'm like i don't know I, it's like I we're living
0: that. large and now it's like these great entrepreneurs are also starting their own and even if they don't have a full-scale brewery yet they're scaling their operations to create beer from memphis that is inherently representative of memphis and the population and i think that's just really cool too
4: and i just i like the like most of them have a good outdoor space
3: and you know just the, the good, vibe
0: good pandemic activity quite yeah, frankly
3: exactly yeah for me i would say it'd be going to either a tigers game mm. or a grizzlies game yeah tigers um, basketball yes oh, basketball yeah, um i've Football sometimes I'm, I'm honestly just there to be there because I don't really understand <laughs> football, but <laughs> but same, basketball same. is my favorite. Um, I feel like our fans are just different. I mean, because I've been to tons of other arenas and you know partake in their in their activity and their games and stuff, but Memphis is just so it's just so different. Um, I mean, we're nine straight wins right now with the Grizzlies. Um, I haven't been keeping up much with the Tigers. I should. should we do won better. last night. Okay,
4: well, that's good. Tiger basketball won last night. I was like, last night (laughs) is... Beat Cincinnati. Oh, that's
3: really Mm -hmm. good. That's really good.
4: Interesting. I like like that about the Grizz.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think having an NBA team is just a cool experience within itself. Yeah. Um, Because I remember when I moved here, I'm not a big sports person. Shocker to everyone listening right now. I am not super into sports. But basketball is like the one thing I really kind of liked. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to my first NBA game, I just remember being like... I, super, I like heard myself like shout, and I'm not like oh. very like yeah. unless I'm like playing a game. Like I don't usually like scream, um, but I started getting very excited. I'm like, "What is happening?" And I was like, "This is what it feels like to like care about sports and to like invest yourself in like a team and what
1: they're doing." And yeah. I think that's fun. Yeah, I don't really care about sports, but I do care about bandwagons. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> I <don't> yeah. <laughs> really jump on one. So I'm Maybe like, that's oh, what it is. The Grizzlies are good. Like, do this, Memphis. Like, yeah. uh,
4: no, That's a great. Uh, that's that's a great answer. I love the. Uh, one of the saddest things about leaving college was getting kicked out of the student section um, (laughs) because that is
3: quite, I mean, I agree. No matter like how the the game is going, the student section is like always the best. (laughs) That sounds right. All right. Final round,
1: favorite Memphis. So let's pretend like you're talking to somebody who's either Mm -hmm. fresh to town or visiting Memphis. What is your favorite hidden gem or like Memphis fact? Like what is that thing that you're like, Oh, I got to tell you this about Memphis. Oh. You
0: can I feel like it. I need music. Like, yeah. da, 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 da. Well, I'll get sued by Jeopardy if I do that. Very
1: possible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't I know if our, if our star shines bright enough for to us. I think if think I use, know. like,
0: less than, like, ten seconds or something,
4: we're fine. Oh,
1: hidden gem. I feel
4: like now with, like, in the era of all the blogs and everything, yeah. <laughs> <kinda> <laughs> that like, nothing's hidden really really in public hidden knowledge. Gems.
3: Yeah. Um, so, I actually... Re- recently found out about this i think i'm just slow to to knowing but um one of so evelyn and olive the um Mm. that jamaican restaurant they actually do like after hours where they close at like 5 a.m really Yes. all right so that was i'm not cool enough to know this this first meal at evelyn and olive (laughs) so that was something that i learned over the summer um so and it was really fun did you close down evelyn and olive no i didn't didn't make it to close it down but i made it pretty close yeah no i didn't know that either that's really cool it's a good one it's really
4: fun mine's not gonna be as cool (laughs) (laughs) um i think well okay so in the same vein uh Andrew Michael Italian Kitchen does their no menu Mondays. Mm-hmm. And that is super fun if you ever have the opportunity to go. Like if I were bringing, if, so, if I had guests in town mm-hmm. or something like that, I think I would take them to that where you just pay. It's like a set rate and you don't get to look at a menu and they just bring you course after course of like amazing, surprising, delicious food. Yeah. Excellent one.
0: I think something cool too about like AMIC, like Andrew Michael Italian Kitchen and Catherine and Mary's is you know, obviously they're nicer restaurants and so, but they have like on Tuesdays, they do, P- I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday, you'll have to look it up guys, don't quote me, but it's called PPP, where you get like a pinot a plate and a pasta and it's like a set price and it's like 21 bucks. Um, <laughs> so if you're someone who is like really wanting to try the Andrew Michael restaurants and you're like, I don't know if that's in my price range, yeah. they have these things available um, to try and make it more accessible for people, which I think is cool. It's very cool. Yes.
1: It is. I've learned things today, this is great. <laughs> I,
4: I don't know if I'll ever be awake for the Evelyn Hall <laughs> extended hours, but that's very cool.
0: That is very cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us yes, and hitting we're so the lightning glad round. glad
1: you are on the Thanks team. for having us. I'm sure we'll have you back again soon. Thank yeah. you for. We'll have to do a
0: check in to see how, when you actually get into the work, how you're right. feeling about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see y'all soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Regal and Kim. Thank you.
2: Your future is waiting. Did you know some of the largest companies in the nation and the world are located right here in Memphis? Learn what opportunities are available and how to get your foot in the door through Launch. Launch connects college students to networks and professional opportunities available right here in Memphis. The best part is, it's all free. Let us help you get connected and land your dream job. Visit newmemphislaunch.org today.
1: All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. Once again, we're so glad to have you join us. We are able to do this podcast uh, and radio program because of great support from WYXRFM. FM and also, of course, New Memphis, the nonprofit that Christy and I and Raquel and Kimberly, who you just heard from, work for. Uh, New Memphis is a local nonprofit working to make Memphis magnetic for great talent. We develop talent, we activate leaders, we connect leaders. Um, And if that sounds interesting to you, if you are motivated, inspired by the voices that you hear on this program, if um, somebody like Pedro makes you think, "Golly, I I need to step up my leadership (laughs) in the community," as it had uh, made me feel, um, New Memphis is a great way for you to really tap into what makes you uh, a unique and special leader, make sure that you are leaning into your strengths, um, finding those opportunities for yourself. Um, Our leadership programs are designed for people at different phases of their career. So we start uh, with the the, the earliest program that we offer is for college students. So before you even step your foot fully into the professional realm, New Memphis wants to intercept you and help you develop that sort of um, personal brand, help you market yourself and talk about your value before you start interviewing and talking to local companies. We're gonna give you access to uh, a vast network of uh, local professionals and leaders from all different kinds of companies and sectors. Um, And then we're also gonna connect you to networks of other young leaders, people who are um, doing amazing things even at uh, the tender young college age. That is a program called Accelerate. It is free for anybody who wants to participate. All you have to do is go to newmemphis.org and apply. It is for any four year college student. So if you are a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, maybe on your fifth or sixth year of college, it is a great thing to to spend a little bit of time on over the course of one semester. So this is a spring semester that we're about to start. You can also go ahead and apply for our fall semester, which will get started back up in September. Um, and then I will also call out our Embark program for young professionals, 20-somethings, and our Fellows program for mid-career professionals, folks who are uh, a little more tenured uh, in their leadership, but still, Want to think about how to take that next step towards growing in their um, commitment to memphis growing and how they're delivering excellence in their organizations uh, the embark program uh, is about three and a half months long we're about to kick off our first uh, spring class at the end of february here um, and then we'll also have another class this fall same for the fellows program we will kick off a new spring class in april that is a year-long program Um, I've said a lot. Again, I know that's hard to follow uh, on the radio or on a podcast. But what I would suggest you do, if any of this sounds interesting, is go to NewMemphis.org. Click on our programs. You can read all about each of our leadership programs. You can learn more. You can nominate people. So if it's not for you, but it's for somebody you know, and you can easily apply. Um, We would love to tell you more about the programs. They are truly the, the foundation of this organization. Almost every single person that you hear on this podcast, anybody that... Uh, we're talking to you today They are alums of these programs. Mm-hmm. They've come through and that is how we met them. Um, so it is an incredible network of exciting people that you want to be a part of. So please go to Nemovis.org. Um We have a robust pool of applicants, but it's never too early to let us know you're interested in participating and to learn more. Christy, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Uh, we will see you next week, Memphis. Bye.
0: Bye. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.